to uh, John chapter 15. We are doing a series on uh, the Lord's Prayer. We're in the middle of a series on prayer and kind of the Lord's Prayer in the middle of that in that series. And we kind of started looking at this and, and uh, examining this a little bit. And we've been on this probably about five weeks now. And we've talked about, uh, we've used this scripture here in John chapter 15, uh, John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. And uh, we've used this kind of as our text, as our, as our jumping off point. Because, you know, it's, it's important that when, when um, our goal in prayer, and I don't want this to sound wrong, but, but, I mean, I don't really know a better way to say this, but really our goal in prayer, or my goal in prayer, is to have my prayer answered. You know, I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of useless to think, well, I don't know whether this is going to work or not, but I'll keep doing it. You know, I mean, if you never see prayers answered, if you're, you know, you've been praying for 55 years and you've never seen a prayer answered, then, then you know, you don't have very much confidence in your prayers, do you? But how many of you know that, what, what, if, what, if, what if you got all, every prayer you prayed got answered? Man, think about the confidence you'd have. You know, you'd know, hey, if I, if I pray about that, I'm going to get, I'm, I'll get an answer to that. You know, well, how do you know? Well, because I know He hears my prayers. You know, we've, we've talked about those four things. <coughs> Excuse me. We've talked about those four things in this series on, on, on when Jesus... Because, you know, this, this stemmed from the disciples asking Jesus, teach us to pray. And, and we talked about how that, that was the only thing, the only, the only really question that we see the disciples asking Jesus, you know, teach us, teach us more about this. It wasn't about walking on water or healing the sick or, or you know, uh, casting devils out or anything like that. It was the, what they asked him, they said, teach us to pray. The reason that they asked him that one thing was because all those other things stemmed out of Jesus' prayer time. They saw Jesus pray and they saw him get results. So they said, okay, teach us how to do that. You know, so Jesus gave this model prayer, and, and he talked about that. And the four things that we've talked about is this. The first thing you have to know when you pray that you should know, and that, that, that should always be the first thing in your mind when you think about this, when you think about praying, is this. Prayer works. If you don't know, if you don't know your prayer is going to get answered, if you don't know that prayer works, then you'll never have confidence in prayer. I mean, you know, so you, we, have to, we really need to go into prayer... With the mindset that prayer works. The second thing is that prayer and God's word go hand in hand. We've, you know, hopefully you've seen that in this. As we pray, you know, because we talked about one thing we always want to make sure that we do is pray correctly. We want to make sure we're praying right. Well, the way you know you can pray right is praying God's word. Prayer and word, God's word go hand in hand. The third thing is that prayer builds intimacy with God. The more you pray, the better you'll know God. The better you know God, the more you'll pray. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it's just a, it's a circle, you know. I mean, when you get to know somebody, it's great. When you first meet somebody, sometimes it's, it's you know, you don't talk a lot. You know, you're kind of, it's kind of that awkward, you know, kind of trying to get to know people and things like that. But once you get to know somebody, man, you can talk hours on end and not even think about it. Well, that's the way God wants it to be with Him. He wants us to get to know Him and be so comfortable with Him that we can just talk to Him about anything. And, and you know, when I say comfortable with Him, we still respect Him as God. We understand that. That we still have an awe of God, a, a fear of God in, this, in the standpoint that we respect Him and we see Him as God. 
But, but more than that, you know, he, yes, He is God and He is our Savior, but listen, He wants to be a friend too. Right? Jesus said, He said in His Word, I no longer call you servants, but friends. Because He said a servant doesn't know what his master is going to do, but friends do. Amen. So He calls us friends. And then the fourth thing, and, and to me it's one of the most important ones, goes right along with number one, you know, prayer works. But the fourth one that we looked at and talked about is this, God hears you when you pray. You know, when you pray, God hears you. And First John tells us that if we know that He hears us, then we can know, we can have confidence to know that we have the petitions we've asked for. Amen. So prayer works, and God hears you when you pray. Here in John, 7, or John 15, verse 7 and 8, the scripture we've read every week as we've looked into this, uh, this, and then we'll turn over to Matthew chapter 6. But John 15, verse 7 and 8 says this. Jesus, this is... Jesus himself talking, his words, and he said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And then if you look down at verse 15 and 16, this I, I kind of referenced this, but, but Jesus said this, and uh he says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And then here he tells us what that fruit is. He says that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it you. Praise God. So, so the two things he told us there in John 15, 7, is this, that if we abide in him and his word abides in us, then we can ask whatever we will and he'll give it to us. And, it, and it's fruit. And he says that, it, that it's fruit. And our answered prayers brings glory to God. And he said that and God wants fruit. Now notice, God doesn't want fruit that's just here today and gone tomorrow. He says, he says I want you to have fruit that lasts forever. Now, that's a pretty good answered prayer, if it lasts forever. Amen? It's not temporary. It's permanent. Amen? So, so then, uh, let's turn back over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And um, we'll look here at the Lord's Prayer. And, and, and Now we saw over in Luke that, uh, you know, the disciples asked him, said, you know, teach us to pray, and then he, get, he gave them this model prayer. Here in, in Matthew 6, it doesn't, it, doesn't give the, it doesn't say that the disciples asked him, but you put those two together and we know that, that it's the same, talking about the same story. And, uh, and Jesus, you know, he went through in, from verses 5 through 8 in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, he went through kind of a list of do's and don'ts, you know, don't do this and do this and... And, you know, and, and we've looked at those in the, you know, in the weeks previous. But then he gets to verse number 9 and he says this. And this is Matthew 6, verse 9. He says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Or, or like this, pray. And remember, we talked about, and I want to keep, make sure you keep hearing this, that he didn't mean, he didn't say just repeat these words. He was saying, here's an outline, here's a model, here's, here's a, a way for you to pray, and you fill in the blanks. You know, and really what this prayer is, uh, even this week as I was studying this, I was thinking about this, what this prayer is really is, is learning how to operate in the kingdom. 
learning how to operate in the kingdom. Jesus, and it's part of the prayer, but Jesus talked about the kingdom probably more than he talked about anything. It was his very first sermon. The kingdom of God is at hand. You know, the very last thing, one of the very last things he said, you know, was about the kingdom. So, so from front to start. And then when he, after he died and rose again, and when he, he showed himself for 40 days, and, and the Bible tells us that he taught about the kingdom for 40 days. I mean, you know, so he was continually talking about the kingdom. So really this prayer was Jesus saying, here is, here is a model, here is a template. You fill in the blanks, but here is the way to get the kingdom of God to work in your life. And here was the prayer. And we'll read all of it and we'll come back and, and discuss it. In verse 9 he says, In this manner therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, So he said, here was this prayer... And we've already looked at five different ones. This is the sixth one, I think, that we looked at, that we're going to look at today. So let's just real briefly, we'll hit them real quick. The first thing he says, our Father in heaven. He wants us to make sure that we, that we get the perspective right. We're not talking to just anybody. We're talking to Daddy. We're talking to our Father in heaven. We're talking to Elohim. We're talking to, 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 to the all-powerful one. You know, our Father in heaven. So first of all, we have to understand who He is. You know, and then even the second, the second thing we looked at there, the second phrase there says, Hallowed be your name. We talked about keeping His name holy. Jesus, you know, throughout the, throughout the Old Covenant, God revealed Himself by covenant names. And Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha. You know, I mean, He, he, looked at, he gave all these names. He revealed Himself in situations, and usually, to be honest with you, those situations usually came in a crisis. You know, it came in a tough time. It came when they really needed God to show up. And He showed up and He said, here's who I want to be for you today. You know, when, when He showed up to the children of Israel, they were getting ready to come out of, out of uh, being in bondage. Listen, they were slaves. They had been in bondage for over 400 years. And God shows up and He says, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And, and that night millions of people that had been slaves walked out of there and the Bible says there was not one feeble among them. Now come on, that's pretty powerful. Because you know good and well that slaves don't get treated the best. And they probably didn't, they probably didn't load them down with vitamins and all the medicine they needed and things like that. So for, them, for, for the children of Israel to walk out of, out of being in bondage for hundreds of years... And for, for God to show up and say, you know, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And they walked out, not one sick person among them. God said, that's who I want to be for you. Well, guess what? The Bible says He never changes. And if He was Jehovah Rapha to them, He's still Jehovah Rapha for us today. For all of you facing sickness, and, and you know, I know we've got some that are, that are facing this, you know, COVID and all this mess that's going on around that. Listen, I mean, He is still Jehovah Rapha. Doesn't matter what the doctors say. It doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. If you will keep your focus and your attention on Him, He will pull you through anything that any any sickness or any disease. Amen. 
So, so we make his name holy. We don't, we don't, uh, if he says, if, if he said, this is who I am, we don't go around saying, well, I don't believe that's who you are. You know, if you're the Lord who heals, then I believe you're my healer. If you're the Lord who brings peace, if you're the Lord, you know, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace, then I believe I'm going to walk in peace. I'm not going to walk in fear and, and stress and doubt and unbelief. You know, because if we do that, if we choose those things over who he said he is, then what we're, what we're really doing, we talked about this when we looked at that one, what we're really doing is we're taking his name in vain. And guess what? That was one of the Ten Commandments. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, you know, for the longest time, we always thought that just meant don't, don't say GD or don't say things like that, you know. But really, I think it was much more than that. I think he was saying, I'm going to reveal who I am to you. And, and you have to, you know, for you, for you to, to, to walk in those things, you're going to have to keep my name holy. You can't take my name in vain. You can't, you can't say, well, I know you said that, but I'm going to believe this. Amen. And you can, you can look at that and, and see that, that sermon on there. Then we look at the next one. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about how, um, you know, how we have to, in order, in order for, for our lives to be like it is in heaven, we have to know what heaven's like. We have to know what He wants. And part of that is, is knowing His names, right? No, keeping, keeping His name holy. And, but your kingdom come. If it's that way in heaven, then we can declare it to be that way here on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and we, we went through that and talked about that. Then two weeks ago, we looked at verse number 11, give us this day our daily bread. And we talked about the provision. We talked about how God wants us to prosper. Um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not all about just providing for me, but it's about having enough, you know, for me and my, my family, but also having enough to share. We, you know, even receiving the offering this morning, we, we talked about that. We were able to bless, uh, you know, Joe and, and Renee in a time where they, where they really needed some help. Man, it felt good to be able to do that. You know, well, what, what if you had just enough to barely get by? You wouldn't have had enough to sow into that. You know, I mean, so see, God wants us to prosper. He wants us, he wants us to have enough to be able to help other people and not just focus so much on, on me and my four and no more. Amen. So, so that was two weeks ago. Then today we're going to look at verse number 12. Now, this is a big one, man. I tell you, um, there's, and there's so many thoughts out there on this and, and, you know, it can kind of get controversial at times the way some people teach this and different things. But, but let's look at verse number 12, and I'll, and I'll, I'll just give you a... And, and just like everything that I've always, you know, a lot of times when I teach, I'll tell you this, that, that I'm just really going to touch the surface this morning, and I'm not going to have time to go, you know, dig down real deep. Now, this one, we may, we may actually go two weeks on this. I don't know. We'll see how far we get today. But, but, but this, is, this, was, uh, this is huge. And, and verse 12 says this. So verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. And then verse 12 says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, <laughs> there's not too many people that I think really enjoy praying this prayer. Because here's, here's how forgiveness works for most people. Most people are fine with forgiveness as long as you forgive me what I need forgiven. But when it's time for me to forgive you, that's a different story. 
You know, forgiveness a lot of times for people go one way. Goes one way. I'll receive forgiveness, but I'm not too good at giving it. I've heard people say I've heard people say a lot of times, you know, well, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Brother Hagen tells that story. I always think I always laugh so much at that story when he tells the first church he went to, or a church I don't know if it was his first church, but one of the churches he pastored. He went and him and his him and Miss Aretha was unpacking. They I mean they had just moved into the parsonage and they were unpacking, you know, and and uh, and boxes everywhere. And, you know, then he said it was about uh, eight or nine o'clock at night, you know, and and they weren't expecting nobody but come, you know, a knock on the door. And and he opens the door and here's this this woman that you know that goes to the church there had a plate of cookies, you know. Oh, I'm just I just come to you know just come to welcome you, pastor, as a new pastor, and say I brought you a, a plate of cookies here, and, and you know and and they they're like well you know she she just stood there she wouldn't leave so he said I guess I had to invite her in so he invited her in the house and they're sitting here talking you know and and he said then then sure enough she got around to it well the real reason I came. You know, is I wanted to tell you about Sister So-and-so. And Brother Hagin's like, oh boy, you know, here we go. So she, she goes through this big, long story. Well, this she did this, and she said this, and she did this, and, you know. And Brother Hagin said, he's sitting here thinking, man, I was just here three weeks ago preaching my trial sermon. They voted on me. He said, he said who knew that so much could happen in just two weeks? He said, man, the church, he said, it sounds like the church fell apart in two weeks, you know. He said, I thought everybody was doing great. And everything. And he said, she went on and on and on about it. And then finally he said, he stopped her and he says, well, ma'am, he says, let me ask you. He said, when did all this happen? He said, I was just here a couple weeks ago. And he said, I didn't, he said, I didn't, he said, I didn't pick up on that. I, I didn't know any of that had happened. He said, did that happen last week or when did it happen? And she said, oh no, that happened 10 years ago. She said, I just wanted you to know. You know, and, 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 and Brother Hagin said he just went and opened the door and he said, he said, he just looked at her and said, good night. <laughs> you know, and escorted her out the door. And, and like Brother Hagin always said, he said this, he said, people love, he said, people love burying the hatchet, but they leave the handle sticking out where they grab it. And first opportunity they get, they'll pull that thing back up and, and bludgeon you to death again with it. See, that's not forgiveness. And, you know, really, here's, this is interesting. The, the word forgive, from a biblical, a biblical definition of the word forgive, and what it means is this. The word forgive means to send away. It means to hurl, to forsake, to put off. It's an action that causes separation. A total detachment or a total separation. In other words, forgiving is not simply, well, I'll put it down over here, but I'll, I'll leave it there where I can grab it and remember it. When you forgive somebody, you for, and, and you know, you hear, the, you hear the term forgive and forget, or I'll forgive and not forget, or whatever. But, but listen, when you forgive somebody, it's more than just saying, um, you know, saying the words. It's actually something that happens on the inside. Now, see, one, and, and you hear this all the time. You hear people say this all the time. You hear them say, you hear them say well, I'm, I'm not going to be a doormat. You know, if I forgive them, they, they just get off scotch-free. Well, you know, one of, a situation that happened for Stacy and I, there was a, something happened, and, and you know, they, there was a, it's a long story, but, but, you know, we had the opportunity. See, because here, here's what forgiveness will do. And I, I, want, I want to share some more Scripture with you here in just a second. 
But here's what scripture, or here's what unforgiveness will do in your life. If you have unforgiveness in your life, it will cause you to think that you can take vengeance on somebody. That you can repay them for what they did to you. And see, so, so sometimes when you, when people, when people talk about forgiveness, in their mind, they're like, I'm, I don't want to forgive because if I forgive, then they get away with what they did. And see, so what happens is when you hold unforgiveness and bitterness and anger towards somebody, you're, you're re- what you're really saying is this, I'm going to make them pay for what they did to me. But, unfortunately, what we always forget and what people, you know, I mean, this is such a true statement, but I mean, but we always forget this. It's kind of like you drinking a bottle of poison hoping it kills them. Because to be honest with you, they, they may be over it, be past it, may not even know they've done anything to you. And, and they've done forgot about it, and here you are still not sleeping, having ulcers, having, you know, you know causing all kinds of problems for you, and, and they don't even know what's going on. You know, I've seen I've seen people I've seen people that have have sickness in their in their bodies, and be praying for healing, and and then you know the Lord showed them. As a matter of fact, Mark eleven twenty three and twenty four talks about you know the passage where Brother Hagen you know preached all the time about you know speak to this mountain and it'll and you know and it'll move and it'll it'll be gone. But the verse right after that talks about that if you if if you bring if you bring your gift to the altar. And, and you remember you have ought against your brother, that you leave your you leave your gift at the altar and go make it right before you bring before you give that gift. And you know, and so so your having unforgiveness in your life will hinder your relationship with God. And I have I have literally seen people that that when they when they uh you know when they were praying about being healed or or getting over something that that they you know that some something somehow or another comes up and and they realize they're holding unforgiveness and when they forgive that other person their healing comes just like that and really it was that unforgiveness and that bitterness that they were holding in their life that that really caused that sickness to stay in their body as a matter of fact you know people will tell you this i mean doctors will tell you this that that uh, stress, which, you know, if you have unforgiveness in your life, it'll cause stress. It, it, it brings, it, it'll cause things to come up in your life. And stress is one of the greatest uh, causes of sickness in people today. I don't know about you, but I would rather just have, just get rid of all the unforgiveness and just live carefree. And not carry the weight of having having that unforgiveness and bitterness in our lives. Now, and I and, and listen, I, I can hear. I know people saying, "Yeah, but you just don't know what they did to me." Well, but what happens is this: what we don't realize is this, and it's a biblical principle. You can see it throughout the Bible. Is that when you hold unforgiveness against somebody, and you have unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, actually, what happens? The very thing that you're wishing on them will come on you. Think of the story of Esther, right? Uh, you know, Haman, and, you know, and, and he was going to kill all the Jews, and, and he had such a hatred for the Jews and everything. And long story, I mean, through that whole story, you understand 
what happened and everything. You, you read the story, but but it came back. And actually, what how he was going to kill all the Jews is how he got killed. Because his hatred for them, it actually came back on him, and and it and it killed and it killed him instead of killing all the Jews. Now let me show. Let's look at a couple scriptures that are really interesting. Look at Matthew eighteen concerning forgiving and, and unforgiveness and and what it'll do. I you know till this week when I started studying this or the last couple of weeks. I don't know that I put these two these, this together like this before. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen this together like this. This is pretty pretty interesting. Matthew chapter eighteen, and we'll just start reading in verse fifteen. And I want you to see the what how Jesus compared. Now remember, we're, we're talking about in the Lord's prayer. Jesus said, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And 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 I made this statement. I didn't finish that thought. I made this statement that not many people want to pray that prayer because here's the prayer you're really praying if you pray that. Father, forgive me like I forgive other people. Now, if your forgiveness depended on how you forgave people, how would that look? You know, a lot of, like I said, a lot of people are great with forgiveness as long as you forgive me. But when it comes to me forgiving you, now hold up. You know, your, your, your sin was a whole lot bigger than my sin. That's always our, you know, that's always what we say, right? And, and, uh, and so let's, let's look here at what Jesus, how Jesus looked at unforgiveness and, uh, and how he described it. So here in, in Matthew 18, Jesus is, is, uh, talking to, you know, he's, he's having this discussion with his disciples and, and they're asking at the first of the chapter, they're asking who's the greatest, you know, and different things and Jesus, Brings the little child up, and and then in verse six through nine, he warns of offenses, and this is this is interesting here, and we'll see this in another place um, as we get as we go over to Luke in, in just a second. Then he talks about the the parable of the lost sheep, but then he comes to verse fifteen and he says this, and remember this is Jesus talking here. He says, "Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone." And if he hears you, you have gained a brother. And if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that that by the mouth of, of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, then let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So, so you know, really, to be honest with you, if we if we did church discipline... Like Jesus just said, boy, I mean, actually the church would be a whole lot better off, but there would be some mad people. Because there's a lot of people in the church sinning against brothers and sisters, saying things, gossiping, bearing false witness, lying, doing all kinds of stuff, cheating, stealing, and they just get swept under the rug and nobody ever says anything. Now, that's for a whole other sermon. I'm not even going to preach on that. But, but it's interesting how Jesus said to deal with it. He said, you go to them by yourself. If they don't hear you, then take two or three brothers. If they don't hear them, then take it before the church. You know, and tell the church. And then, if he doesn't repent, he says, then you treat him like a tax collector. Treat him like the IRS. How many of you all hang up on the IRS when they call? You know, or, or avoid the phone calls, avoid the letters. Oh, I didn't get that letter. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, in other words, you avoid them. You just have nothing to do with them. 
You know, now, now you might say, well, where's the love in that? Well, there's a reason. Listen, there's a reason why God gives us warnings in the Word. You, there, was a, there was a time in, in the, the, the children of Israel when he told them, when they went into Canaan, when he told them, he said, do not marry the Canaanite women. Do not intermix in marriage. Well, they, you know, when they got down there, they kept, they kept looking for ways to do that. And before long, all of a sudden, all these Israeli men had Canaanite wives. Now, God had told them not to do that. Was, why, was God just you know, taking the fun away from them and telling them, why, why would God tell them not to do that? Well, there was a reason. And here was the reason. The Canaanites used uh, prostitution as a, a form of worship. So their temples were full of prostitution. Well, if prostitution is rampant, then guess what else is rampant? Sexual diseases. So when, when the Israeli men, was had no, they had no sexual diseases inside the Israeli camp because they were, they were you know, together just by, by the nation by themselves. When they brought these Canaanite women in, guess what hit and killed? So I mean, the Bible says that it, it went rampant throughout, the, throughout all of Israel and that literally killed a bunch of people with sexual diseases. God warned them, do not marry Canaanite women. Why? Well, because they carry sexual diseases. And then, so when, when, when the, the men of Israel went against what God said, then, you know, and then people say, well, well, why did God let them get those sexual diseases? Well, listen, God tried to tell them not to. And we still say that today. We still say, well, why did God allow this? Why did God let that, let that happen? Well, because of the choices people made. You realize the, the scripture that says that, that the wages of sin is death, you realize that that's still in effect today? The wages of sin, the wages of sin is still death. You, you, can, you, know, you have the choice. You can go out and do whatever you want to do. But guess what? If you do something, that, if you do something stupid and do something that, that goes against what God's Word says, it can still bring death to you. And it's not that God allowed it to happen. It's not that God caused it to happen. It's because you chose that route and, and you just you are reaping a harvest on the seeds you sown. <clears throat> Amen. Verse 18, let's go on. <laughs> so verse 18 says this, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For if two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now it's interesting, verse 15, 16, 17, he's talking about forgiveness and unforgiveness. It's talking about you know forgiving a brother of their sin, of, of you know repenting and different things like that. Then he goes into binding and loosing. Well, why would, he, why would he do that? Why would he say all that? Remember, the word forgive means to send away. Binding and loosing, you know, is, is a huge part of kingdom living. You have, to, you have to bind what goes against God and you have to loose it. You know, let it go. And then you also have to loose what, 
what the, for, that's, that God wants loosed on the earth. And, you know, so when you bind something, when you take something, when you take something in and you bind it, what you're doing is it, then you send it away. You're getting that away from you. And so here he goes on to say, and because of that, look, look at verse 21, because of all that, you know, because of what Jesus had just said, Peter came up to him and said this, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? You know, so Peter heard this. And he's like, well, man, what you saying I have to forgive him a bunch of times? He, and he, he went up to Jesus. He said, he said, you mean I had? He said, how many times am I going to have to forgive him? Seven? You know, Peter thought that was a big number. I'm going to have to forgive him seven times in one day. Jesus, come on. Jesus said to him, I can just see the grin on Jesus' face. Jesus said to him, I do not say unto you. Up to seven times. But up to seventy times seven. Wow. So so Peter thought seven was a lot. Jesus says 490 times. Now, more than likely, you're not going to find somebody that sinned against you 490 times in a day. Right? So Jesus wasn't focusing on the number. What Jesus was saying was this. Peter, it's not about the number. You just need to learn to forgive. Because now listen to this. Jesus, in verse, the next verse, he goes right into this parable. Jesus said this. He, he, he told him, he said, no, I didn't say seven times, but 70 times seven. And then in verse 23, Jesus said this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And it says, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. But the servant therefore fell down before the king and said, Master, you have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of all, the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Wow. So, so the master had, had compassion on him, forgave him this large debt, 10,000 talents. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is, which is pennies. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. It's interesting that one of the, one of the ways that you could... Uh, demand payment from somebody is to grab them by the throat in that day. You know, if they, somebody owed you something, you could grab them by the throat and demand payment. You know, that's why it says he grabbed him by the throat and demanded payment. Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant, now remember, this guy had just got, you know, released of 10,000 talents. I mean, a huge amount of money. This guy owed him now pennies. The guy, this, this guy says, he says, oh, so... He, he said, uh, this servant went out and found, and he said, pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. But he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Wow. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had, all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, 
you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him, now listen, delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And then look at verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. Now listen, a lot of times we read scriptures like that, and, and the way verse 25 reads, it sounds like God is going to punish you if you don't forgive. But if you break that sentence down in the original language, what really here's, here's what that sentence is saying, and here's what this, this parable is saying. Jesus says, okay, listen, this guy had a big debt that he, was, that, that, he was, that he owed. He was forgiven that debt. Then he had a smaller debt. He had unforgiveness in his heart, and he went out and, and, you know, and threw this guy in jail and said, you know, you're going to pay me. In other words, he wouldn't forgive him. But then what happens is this. The very thing that this guy had that, had that build up in his heart, that unforgiveness, it came back on him and he was then, in turn, thrown into the torture. Not just the prison, but to, in, in, you know, thrown to the tortures. Now, what that, what that represents is this. That's, that doesn't represent God throwing people in hell because you wouldn't forgive. That's been taught. People say, you know, that's, that shows that if you don't forgive, God's going to throw you in hell. No, He's not. Okay? We, we've talked about this many times. The only, the only sin that will put you, the only thing that will send you to hell is you not accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross. Unforgiveness won't send you to hell. Adultery won't send you to hell. Murder won't send you to hell. The only, thing that, the only reason you'll end up in hell one day is because you didn't accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. Come on, it's that simple. But what this parable is saying is this. This parable is saying that, that what he's saying is that unforgiveness will bring back on you the very thing that you wanted to happen to the one that, that hurt you. In other words, what you're saying is this. I'm going to take vengeance on you. You hurt me. I'm going to take vengeance on you. But what actually happens is that then you are actually tortured because, because you're holding that unbelief or that unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart so you are actually the one being tortured. You're the one that can't sleep at night. You're the one that has the, the health problems now because, because you're holding all this bitterness and unbelief in your heart. The very thing that you wanted to happen to them now is happening to you because you have unforgiveness in your heart. Colossians 3, I think it is, it says that we ought to forgive our brothers just as Christ forgave us. If Christ forgave us of our sins, how much more should we forgive? Should I forgive you of, of something that you've done to me? Now look at one more. Look at uh, Luke chapter 17. <coughs> now this is huge. Listen, Luke 17. Jesus said this. Here again, Jesus is talking to His disciples. And He said this. Then, then Jesus said to His disciples... It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him to have a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. But then look, verse 3 is very interesting. Jesus says, take heed to yourself. So it's interesting that Jesus says, guess what, guys? 
Offense is going to come. People are going to say things. Things are going to happen. People are going to do things to you, against you. They're going to say things. They're going to lie about you. They're going to slander you. They're going to make you feel terrible. They're going to do all these things. But then Jesus instead of Jesus didn't say, now he did say, you know, woe to him through whom the trespasses come. But, but then he made the statement. He says, so take heed to yourself. He didn't say that person better take heed. He says you better take heed. Why did he say that? Because it's, it's more important how you handle the offense. The way you handle the offense will determine what happens to you. You see, nobody can offend me unless I take that offense. So Jesus said, listen, offense is coming. Take heed to yourself. Don't take it. You know, people are going to say things. People are going to do things. But you know what? You have a choice. Because now listen, he goes on to explain this. Now look, he said, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And then, of course, you know, we read in Matthew where Jesus said 70 times seven. And here in Luke, in verse 5, he gets on to say, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. You know, so Jesus, here in this time, Jesus just said seven times. And even at seven times, the, the, the apostle looked at him and says, Lord, you're going to have to help us with that one. You know, increase our faith. But now it's very interesting, the very next thing Jesus says. Look at this. He's talking about forgiveness. He says, if somebody sins against you seven times and repents, you are to forgive them. And then they're, they're like, Lord, help us. Help increase our faith. And look what Jesus said. So Jesus said to them, If you have the faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and, and be planted in the sea, and it will, it will obey you. Which Now listen, which of you having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? No, but you, but, but will he not rather say to him, prepare something for me for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drank and afterwards you will come and eat and then you can eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that was commanded him? I think not. In other words, what he's saying is this. If you have, in that day they had slaves and masters. You know, I mean, that's the language he's using here. He said, if you had a slave or a servant, and, and it was their job to serve you, and they're out in the field working, and it was time for supper, and they come in. As the master, you're not going to say, oh, here, sit down and let me serve you. He says, no, as the master, you're going to say, go ahead and, and get, you know, go ahead and get cleaned up, and you serve me first, and then after you serve me, then you can eat. I mean, that's just the way it, that's the way it worked, okay? Whether that's right or not, I mean, you know, I mean, we can all say and talk about that. But, but Jesus just said that's the way it worked. He said, he said, and that master is not going to say, oh, thank you so much for doing your job. That master is just going to simply say, you're my servant. You do what I tell you to do. And here's what I tell you to do. Go fix me something to eat. And then after, after I'm through eating and drinking, then you can eat. You know, and he said that master is not going to thank that, that, that servant for doing that. Look at verse 10. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which are, which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants, we have, done, we, ha, we have done what was our duty to do. 
Now remember, what was he talking about? He was talking about forgiveness. He said when somebody sins against you seven times and they repent, you forgive them. And then he told this story about a master and a servant and, and the, the servant just basically doing his job, doing what he was supposed to do. And then he said, likewise, you do the same thing. He was talking about forgiveness. He was saying, when you, when, you know, when it comes to forgiveness, it's your duty. It's just what you're supposed to do. As a man and woman of God, you just forgive. And leave, leave it up to God for the consequences. Now, let me say this. Because I, I hear people say, well, you know, I ain't going to let somebody run over me. I didn't say you have to let somebody run over you. What I said was this. You forgive, but just because you forgive don't mean that you've got to keep doing, like if they're hurting you, especially like physically, if, if somebody's beating you, you don't just forgive them and go right back into it. Come on. I mean, you know, you, 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 you can separate yourself from that. Right? And, and if, if it's physical damage or, or even uh, mental damage or whatever, I mean, you don't have to just forgive and go right back into it without, any, without there being any changes in that. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. If, if, somebody, if somebody just comes and, and does, says something or does something and, and they keep doing that, then you forgive them, but that doesn't mean you have to be their best friend. Right? I mean, you know, you, you learn from people and you let, you know, you learn who you can trust and who you can't trust. If you keep telling your secrets to somebody and they keep blabbing it to everybody else, stop telling your secrets to them. Amen. Why, why, you know, how, how come they do that every time? Well, if they're not stopping, then just stop telling them. You know, if you don't like the flowers that are planted in your garden, plant different seeds. Don't keep planting the same ones. Amen. So here, these, these two stories are interesting because both of them, Jesus told those parables with talking about forgiveness. And, and so what he was saying was this. Forgiveness is just it's, it's something that we do. We forgive people. We don't hold grudges. Why? Because if we hold a grudge, then it hurts us more than it hurts the other person. Now, we use, we use our common sense. Like I said, we don't go back into the thing if it's causing hurt to us or, or something like that keeps happening. We learn how to, how to stop that. You know, it's kind of like, it's funny, like somebody will say, somebody will say, so-and-so's pregnant again. You know, they got seven or eight kids. It's kind of like, hadn't they figured out what's causing that yet? You know, you think they'd figure that out. You know, well, if somebody keeps hurting you, figure out what the, why they're hurting you and stop that. Amen. But here, both of these times, Jesus was talking about forgiveness. Now, why? let's put all this together here real quick. Why, what, what is it about forgiveness? Turn back to Matthew 6, and let's just look at our, what we were talking about when, in, in the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus said, Jesus said in verse 11, or verse 12, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So, so if, if we are asking God... If in our prayer, now remember, this prayer is about learning how to live kingdom, the kingdom way. Okay? This is a kingdom principle. One of the kingdom principles is this. If I look at forgiveness like, like this prayer, like Jesus just said, if I pray, 
Lord, forgive me the way I forgive others, it's going to cause me to look at what other people do to me a lot different. Because if I'm willing to hold on to an offense, if I'm willing to hold on to something somebody did to me, then my prayer is this, then Lord, I don't expect you to forgive me because I'm holding on to this. See, none of us like that prayer. We always like, Lord, forgive me, and I'll take care of them, right? That one time, the one time I was talking about, uh, you know, Stacy and I had a, a situation happen, and and man, I, I had the opportunity to make things right, you know, clear my name. I had the man. I mean, I had it all figured out how it was going to happen. You know, I'm on my way to to do that, and the Holy Spirit said this to me. He says, He says, Do you want to handle this, or do you want me to? And He said, I can handle it a whole lot better. And you know what? I had to drop my plan. My first response was like, I want to handle it. Yeah, I'll take care of it. Right? But you know what? When we do things out of the flesh, it only causes more trouble. And when we let God handle it, it's a whole lot better. Amen? Now listen, I wrote down four things that forgiveness, the way, this, the way, the way Jesus taught it here, forgive us our debtor, forgive our debts as we, as we forgive our debtors. So, if we, if we look at forgiveness that way, if we say, okay, if somebody sinned against me, the first thing I want to do is, what happened when I sinned against the Lord? You know, what, was, what did He do? Because remember, our prayer is on earth as it is in heaven. You know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying that the way it is in heaven would be here, here the way it is on the earth. So somebody sins against me. Somebody says something. Somebody does something then you see, my, my first response is not supposed to be, well, I'll show them. My first response is supposed to be, Lord, how did you handle me when, when, you know, when, when, I, when I sinned against you? Oh, you forgave me totally. Okay, then I forgive you. On earth as it is in heaven. So here's, I wrote down four things that, that will help us in this, I think. The first thing is just simply this. I want to be like God in the way I deal with life. The way I deal with people, the way I deal with circumstances, I want to be like my daddy. You know, that's, that's Father, how, how did you handle that when, when that was this way? Okay, you forgave me. Okay, then I forgive. Okay, Father, how did you handle it when somebody said something against you? Jesus, what, what happened in that? You know, I didn't, he didn't open his mouth. He didn't say a word. Then you know what? Then I'm not going to say anything. See, because here's, here's what unforgiveness will do. Unforgiveness will make you feel like you have a right to, say, to gossip about that person. You have a right to pick up the phone and tell everybody what that person did to make them look bad. You see, when you, when you have unforgiveness in your heart, you want to you make sure everybody else knows your side of the story. Where if you forgive... It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Nobody else needs to know about it because it don't matter. I've, that, that's forgiven. That's powerful. Much easier said than, than done, right? But, but it is, it's true. So I want to be like God in all the ways that I deal with life, that I deal with people, that I deal with circumstances. Number two, forgiveness frees us from the need for vengeance. In other words, if I forgive somebody... I don't have to worry about picking up the phone and talking about them to somebody. 
Because if I forgive them, then there's nothing to talk about. Because remember, forgiveness is putting it away. Forgiveness is, is hurling it away from me. Forgiveness is like it never even happened. Right? So forgiveness frees me from the vengeance of the need of, or from the need of vengeance or getting back at them. The third thing is this. I want people to see what God looks like by the way I treat them. When people, when somebody says something against me or they gossip about me or they, they, you know, something, they, they act in a way that I don't like, I want to respond to them the way God would respond to them so that they can see God in my actions and not just, just me in the flesh. Because, you know, at the end of the day, aren't we all trying to, trying to let people see God through us? And what, what greater way than through an opportunity to be hurt? When we don't take offense, when we don't take that hurt, when we, when we, we you know... Well, and even Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Right? Man, some of those things are hard, they're hard to deal with, aren't they? They're hard to really walk out. But you know what? Here's, here's one of the great things. When you do it God's way, then grace is enabled. You enable grace to help you through that. What is grace? Remember our definition of grace that we, when we talked about that series on grace, our definition of grace was this. God's ability working on the inside of me, allowing me to do something I couldn't do in my own ability. So when God's grace gets activated for forgiveness, then I, for, I can forgive that person in a way that I would never be able to in the natural. But with God's help, I can do it. Right? And then the fourth thing is this. I want people to find peace so that they can know God like I do. You know, when you, when, when I, and I've seen this and probably all of you have too, when we, when we uh, act and when we respond like God would respond, and people see that, it's an invitation for them to say, hey, tell me more about how you, how you did that. You know, because the reality is most people, most people today, you know, they're all about vengeance. They're all about, you know, just, you know, I'll show you and things like that. But you know what, guys? Time's short. We don't have time to be offended. We don't have time to to walk in offense, the best thing you can do is forgive people and move on. Now, and like I said, please hear me. I'm not saying you go back into, into abusive situations and things like that. You understand what I'm talking about. When, when we say forgive people, you know you, you know, you make sure that things are put into place to where it doesn't keep happening. You don't let the same thing happen over and over and over again and then ask God why He allowed it to happen. Well, because you keep doing the same thing. You know, if I keep walking into this pole, you know, I mean, I could walk into this pole ten times and they say, God, why, are, why, did, you know, why are you, why are you allowing me to walk into this pole? Wow, you know, God, why are you allowing me to do that? Wow, you know, and I can just keep walking into it, and God's up there saying, Hello, you know, you're the one choosing to walk that way, you know, you, you have to. There's something you have to do, right? And we make the choice, we make the changes that 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 needs to be made, and when we do that. Then we can, we can walk in, we can, we can be clear of unforgiveness in our life. And when we're clear of unforgiveness, we're at peace. When you're clear of unforgiveness, you can lay your head on, on your pillow at night and go right to sleep. 
How many times have we held bitterness and anger in our hearts and it's kept us up all night? You just think about it. You run that situation over and over and over in your head. And by, man, by the next morning, it's ten times worse than it was yesterday because you've just sat there and thought about it all night and hadn't done nothing but, but hurt the situation more than helped it. Amen. We have to learn. We have to be, be like Jesus. And, and if we all had that mindset of, okay, Father, Forgive me the way I forgive others. If we, had, if we had that mindset, I think our forgiveness meter would be a lot higher. Amen. Because we want God to forgive us. You know. But now, let, and let me say this in closing, because I didn't, I didn't say, I meant to say this in the beginning. This is not saying, these scriptures are not saying that God holds your sin against you. Okay? Because we know, we know from Scripture that all of our sins forgiven. God doesn't hold our sin against us. But what happens is this. When we, when we have unforgiveness in our hearts, that, you know, that sin, that situation hinders, it doesn't hinder God's, from God's standpoint, but it hinders us from our standpoint. It cloudies our picture up of God. And it, and, and it, and it starts messing with our conscience. Because now all of a sudden we don't have a clear conscience because we have unforgiveness in our heart. And when you have unforgiveness in your heart and your conscience is not clear, you're not going to be bold to come before God. So see, it hinders that relationship, not from God's standpoint, but from our standpoint. So unforgiveness does a lot of damage to us if we're not careful. So the best thing you can do is to forgive. How many times? Well, Jesus said 70 times 7. You know, you know, seven times is rough enough, right? <clears throat> but Jesus said 70 times seven. How do you do that? With God's help, God's grace. When we have God's grace and God's help, we can do anything. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let me pray for you. Next week, we're going to look at lead us not into temptation. That's another, that's another big one. That's, that's, a good, that's another good lesson. So uh, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love and your mercy. You're so good. And, Father, I pray your blessings on each one today. Father, those that are here today, Father, that may have a need in their life, Father, my prayer is that each one, uh, Father, that each one would, would have whatever those needs are, Father, today, that, that those needs would be met. Lord, we pray for those that are, that are uh, facing sickness and symptoms of different things, Father. We plead the blood of Jesus over them and health and healing over them. We thank you, Father, that you're taking care of us and uh, helping us in all these areas, Father, and we just love you and we honor you and we give you all the glory and all the honor. Thank you for giving us a great week this week, Father, and uh, we just thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Remember, uh, Wednesday night we have service at 7, so uh, we'll see everybody then. God bless you. You're dismissed.